Tell me your story. Tell me your story. How did it all start? Do you remember? Oh, I know what happened. How did it stop? You're now tuned into the Small Business Origins Podcast. I love an origin story. Each week, we dive into the real stories of entrepreneurs and businesses from across the nation. Who is he and what's his origin story? Who started with just an idea and are now making waves. I told you this was a good idea. This is Small Business Origins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Welcome back, listeners, to another episode of Small Business Origins. I'm your host, as always, John Kelly, a.k.a. John the Marketer on Instagram and TikTok. And as always, you're tuned into our nationwide search. Man, we are on a hunt looking for entrepreneurs that have a story to tell. And joining us virtually in the studio, I've got an entrepreneur that wants to do just that. We're talking all the way from Greensboro, North Carolina with Jacob Dar from Talent Acquisition Blueprint. Jacob, welcome to the show. John, what's going on, man? Hey, what's up, man? It is good to have you here virtually in the studio. Can't wait to hop into your origin story and figure out what exactly it is that you have going on and what you do. But before we hop into that, our listeners know we always have an icebreaker question. So today's icebreaker question, which by the way, listeners, I need you to go to www.smallbusinessorigin.com and send me some icebreaker questions because I want to get your icebreaker questions on the show here. I am sick of going through a website and looking up interesting icebreaker questions every day. I want you to send those in to me and let me ask something that our listeners want to hear. But today's icebreaker question is what is your favorite seasoning? Ah, wow. Okay. And I didn't, I didn't uh, prep for this. This was, this was out of the blue. So my, my favorite seasoning, you can't go wrong with garlic and salt. Uh, but I will probably say my favorite seasoning right now is uh, put that on the cracker dude. Oh yeah, uh, from TikTok. Is I forgot what it's called. Have you seen him? Oh before? yes. No, I'm extremely aware who you're talking about. He actually is a state trooper, if you can believe that. And uh, oh wow, <laughs> I don't know if it's a little known fact or a well known fact, but he got picked up for uh, fleeing after a boating accident. He was not the um, he wasn't involved in it, except that he was just a passenger on that boat. And instead of being a law enforcement officer and stopping everyone right there and, you know, giving that information and all that stuff after the accident, he allowed his friend to just flee and he fled with him and he actually got picked up on that. But I am still a huge fan of his, his cooking always looks good. I don't know exactly. Is it his own seasoning or are you talking about his yeah. onion powder or his, his two-step yeah Cajun two-step that's what it's called that's my I put that on most everything I cook you know what I'm gonna have to get some of it because I am a fan of his I'm a fan of spicy I'm a fan of uh Cajun seasonings and cooking and all that stuff but I'm going back to your first answer which is garlic that is the seasoning that I put on everything uh, my wife would not be surprised if I threw it on top of some ice cream like I am a garlic fan and she absolutely hates how much garlic I use because it's if I can't taste the garlic in what I'm eating, then to me, it's just not seasoned. Yeah, I mean, Paula Deen's got some good house seasoning. It's garlic and salt. So I use that a lot. Yeah, I'm not big on adding salt to my diet. Uh, I think what happened was I got, you know, just like terrified by this doctor when I was a kid that I went and saw. And he said that we have way too much sodium in the American diet without even adding any uh, salt to our, our stuff. Like I, I don't remember the exact number he threw out, but it was something like eight times the amount of sodium that you need to ingest on average. And I love the taste of salt. Like my mom, I could literally just, you know, eat like rock salt and just eat that because I'm, I'm a huge salt fan, but 
I don't add salt on top of the food that I cook typically, unless it's something like seasoned salt. America. <laughs> America indeed. All right. Well, Jacob, we're here to talk about you, man, where you came from and how you got into this path of entrepreneurship and what you're doing today. So what's your origin story? Yeah. So that's a good question. So as a kid, uh, I think the entrepreneur bug hit me as a kid. Um, my family had a house on a lake. Uh, we had some jet skis. So there was a marina close by and I, I had asked them if they needed any help one summer. I was uh, 15. I just turned 15. And they did. And they So I worked on the gas um, dock pumping gas for boats, but this was a huge marina and they were way understaffed. And they, my boss asked, the guy that owned the marina asked if I could go out and find some buddies to come work and he would pay me $100 uh, commission, or commission or referral for each person I got hired. So that's sort of where it started. So it, it, it started there. Uh, from, from there, I, I went, um, opened a, a Nextel store back in the day. So Remember with the ne the Nextel phone, I had a, a Nextel store. Um, I, I had a car, a Lincoln Town car, and a small limo that we did limo service. Uh, and then when I grew up, um, I, w I moved to Key West, Florida. I was a police officer in Key West. Loved that, absolutely loved it. But it just wasn't enough for me. It, it, it couldn't fuel what I needed to fuel. So I, I moved back to North Carolina. Went into human resources, uh, so big companies. I was a CHRO, head of talent for a 10,000-person uh, global company. Left that company and opened up Jacob Dar Associates. So Jacob Dar Associates is a recruiting firm. Anybody that needs talent, we help and, and bring talent directly to them. And then the sister company to that, which is sort of my, my, my bread and butter, is the, uh, this company, the Talent Acquisition Blueprint. Uh, talent Acquisition Blueprint, we are a coach to recruiters. So internal company recruiters we coach, we sort of pull the curtain back on how headhunters are so effective. What do we do to, to do our job, et cetera. So we have a coaching program and then uh, we have succession planning, capital planning, wrote a book. So that's, that's sort of my story. You know, this is something that I am kind of new to, I guess. I, I always knew recruiting firms exist. Like this is a, a no brainer you know, private recruiting firms exist. And then you have stuff like here in Texas, we have the Texas Workforce Commission, which if you are without a job can help you with not only unemployment benefits and stuff, but they can also help um, kind of connect you with companies that are currently hiring and seeking people. And, and I've seen, you know, temp workers and all that kind of stuff. Are y'all the type of firm that is connecting people with their final job, temp agency, both? Like what exactly are you doing? Yeah, no. So, so basically, the 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 stuff that that we have never hits the internet. Really, you never really know it's there. So, so we do a lot of executive level uh, presidents, heads of whatever. So, for instance, a, a a president may know that there's a piece missing in, let's just say, his VP of Sales, and he wants to confidentially replace that person. And he'll come to me and say, Jacob, I need somebody with this experience here, 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 here. Go out and find them. So we go out and start knocking on doors or we already have relationships with people that we know would be a perfect fit, that are rainmakers, that absolutely would be a rock star. And then we connect the two. That's, that's, that's what, what we are. We're an executive recruiting firm. Yeah. I mean, basically like ultimate networking experience of yeah. just, it's all about who you know. So that, like you said, you can go through those back channels and find the, uh, the people that you're looking for. And that, that is, I think what's the newest thing for me, you know, I've had, um, other people on the show that are in similar industries like this. And it's just such an interesting thought process. But I guess when you have someone that's paid at that level, and then, you know, you're going to have a company 
that is obviously going to have to be making well above that and is making enough money that they can probably spend money on a service like this where they know they're getting connected with top professionals that are vetted qualified you know you're not you're not running a an interview to make sure this person can do their job you're running the interview to make sure that they'll fit in and are a good fit for your business so that makes perfect sense um so what do you think is like the biggest driving factor of you being able to get clients is it local to that florida and because you do have a, a location in florida correct yeah and it's not it's not local so so our clients are all okay. over the usa so so we 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 niche down into manufacturing so general manufacturing life science manufacturing so got we're, it we're, we're known in the industry number one number two we i speak at, at conferences events so that that brings clients in and also and we, we, we hit the pavement. We, all of my, my staff, we pound the pavement. We make two, 300 phone calls every day. We have email campaigns. True marketing is, is what we do, outbound marketing to get clients in. So, I mean, I guess I can say it now that I know it's not a conflict of interest. The other firm that I spoke to, uh, he is primarily located on the West Coast and primarily handles 501c3s and nonprofits. Ah, cool. So is that kind of how y'all differentiate yourselves is like, I don't want to go to him if I'm in your space because you're kind of the expert in your space. Yeah, I mean, here. so here's the thing for, for, for right? So for most businesses, the niches are in the riches, right? So so for me, if you need to hire somebody, right, so you can go put an ad on Indeed and scrape the bottom of the barrel and, and get folks who, who knows if they're qualified or can be or not. But if you want top talent, you go to a recruiting firm. Let's say that you want to hire a director of sales for a life science company. You're not going to go to a recruiting firm that specializes in, in nurses. They don't, they don't, we spend every day, every hour, every minute on phone calls with qualified candidates. So most of the time when our client comes and they need somebody, we already know people who fit exactly to that role. So it's quick and it's nobody spends the time we do in the niche speaking, speaking with that type of uh, candidate. So is this something where, I guess the question is, is this something where the client is the person who's coming to you saying I need a job or the client is the firm that's looking for the um, the talent or is it kind of a combination of both? So 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 most of the time the the, the company is coming to us and saying, hey, I need a piece of compet- I need a, no, I shouldn't say a piece. I need competitive talent. So I want you to go out and find it. Or sometimes we get uh, phone calls or emails or, or message requests from somebody that says, hey, I'm a director of manufacturing. I know this is your niche. I'd like to look for a new home. And certainly we talk to those two. So they come in both the doors. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I, again, this is something that I'm actually asking questions that I genuinely don't know the answers to. So that, that makes perfect sense that it would be kind of a market for both of those people as a client. And so how do I know if I'm at the level where I need to speak to some type of talent firm like yourself? Um, how do I know? Cause I know for me, for instance, you know, I'm a marketing advisor, I'm a firefighter. Uh, I'm an entrepreneur, own my own company. I don't think that I'm a good fit to come to you and say, Hey, I, you know, you need to place me somewhere, but what are those kind of like pre-qualifications that I could do at home to determine, like, maybe I could maximize the amount of money I'm getting, the benefits I'm getting, or the quality of employer that I'm looking for by going to a talent agency. Yeah. So, so generally it's a, it, it's a career person, right? So it's somebody that has had a career track in manufacturing quality, manufacturing operations, sales, et cetera. So that's that's what you've done over your whole career. 
and, and you either you don't feel like you're paid enough, you don't like your boss, you, you want to find out what's out there, you want to be promoted. Sometimes it's hard to be, a lot of times, hard to be promoted within. So career track folks, it's always great to network and have a relationship with a recruiter specifically in what you do because they have the opportunities. So how did you figure out that, you know what, I think I have this this talent, pun intended, to go into you know this kind of category of, of recruiting and being able to network with people. How did you figure out I need to open a company doing this? Uh, so I, the, the first thing I figured out is I knew there would be days that I would hate my parents even ever met. <laughs> that that when I'm when I'm knocked down, I'm going to get my ass right back up and I'm going to keep going. So that that that's really the key. I think owning a company, being an entrepreneur, especially doing this when sales and marketing is involved, you better be able to handle objections and you better be able to get up and move on and forget about what just happened. So. You know, I've, I've always been good at that, blocking out things, even as a kid. Um, re- rejection's never really been an issue, confidence. And, and to me, that makes a big difference in this world. What does it look like from beginning to end? If I'm that firm, I give you that call and I say, look, I really need somebody who's going to be a rock star at this. What am I getting out of that? And I know that obviously, I mean, I don't know, but I'm assuming that everybody is going to be paying a different price depending on the level of position they're looking for. Um, how much they're paying for that position, all this kind of stuff. But what what kind of income do I need to have to be able to come to an agency like yours and find a really good candidate? Well, so 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 we're more on the executive end. So so most of our clients or most of our candidates are paid somewhere two fifty or north on a base plus a bonus, and that that that's starting. But there are plenty of recruiting firms who may place production managers who are sixty five thousand dollar employees. So. It really all depends on what the person does and what's the niche, which is that higher end executive range. And so what does that look like as far as the experience of I come to you, I send that inquiry in and say, Jacob, I'm looking for somebody. This is what I need out of that candidate. What do I expect, you know, as far as like when I'm going to be able to interview people, how many candidates you're going to bring me? What's the process? Yeah, great. that's a great question. So so what, what happens is when you come to us and you've got a role, that you want us to, to, to work on. So we talk about that, make sure we're a good fit, get past the contract obligations, you agree to our fee, et cetera. So then, then we move into a discovery call to where we're asking a lot, a lot of questions, which question number one is, imagine that you've just, you've hired this person that I brought to you. It's been a year, you're walking down the hall with them. What did they accomplish? What did they do to have a knockout drag out year? Most of that stuff is not on the job description. So we add to it. We ask a lot of questions like that to build up who are we really trying to find. So once we've done that, then we create a, a list of what companies, in if, if it's not a relocation search, or if it is, what companies would have someone similar to this specific to industry. So we make a list of 25, 50, 100, 200 companies. At each company, what do they call this job? So what, what is this job title? So we have tools that we can go in and see that. Mark all that down. In each of these companies with these job titles, what are the people's names who do this function? Get that information. Now that we have all that, what are these people's home address? What are these people's cell phone numbers? What are these people's social media? So it's kind of skip tracing to get all this information. So now we've got a very comprehensive list, which by the way, this whole process we teach. This is a book I wrote, Talent Acquisition Blueprint. We teach this. This book's available on Amazon. It's cheap. It's like seven bucks. But uh, w- once we go through this uh, rabbit hole process, then we start calling and texting and emailing and writing letters and getting candidates in and putting them in. So typically, that's about two and a half or three weeks for us to have great quality interviews, have great candidates, 
put the candidates in front of the client, then it's up to the client how fast their process is. But generally two and a half, three weeks, you have great candidates from us. That's amazing because I'll tell you, one of the things I hate about sales is the data and analytics behind the job. And as you know, because your firm seems to be driven by data and analytics, so is sales. If you're doing it right, then you're analyzing a lot of information about potential clients and you're going in and, and looking at all this data and using it to your advantage in order to score a meeting with a decision maker and then ultimately convince that decision maker to go with your services. Um, and that is probably the worst part about my job. And it sounds like your job is all of that. You know, I, I think about going on LinkedIn, which I have to do in my position. And I, I think about having to analyze all this information about the people that I'm speaking with and the companies that they work for in order to figure out what I need to do. But it seems like you're probably a LinkedIn expert of being able to kind of narrow down all that information and make it truly work for you. We do. Yeah, we have specific tools. We narrow information down. Look, if, you know, if anybody's listening to this on the entrepreneur side and, and you've, you know, you're trying to break out or you're trying to do more metrics, we, 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 we hate, most people hate metrics and they hate data. We're so obsessed with it that what changed our business and on the sales curve is metrics. So everything that we do, for instance, here's a pad. This, this, this is my day, daily, daily work. So basically, whenever I have quality phone interactions out of the hundred, we, we mark that. So we've got a, a piece of data. What how many quality phone interactions did we have a day? How many marketing presentations did we do today? That means how many times did we pitch a rate to a client, talk about our company? How many agreements did we send? How many job orders did we get? How many recruit presentations, meaning how many times did we present a candidate to a client? How many submissions? That means how many, how many subs are we we're sending uh, candidates over to clients? How many times are we doing that? How many interviews? All of this at the end of the year, so you can run metrics in a year, you're going to have a forecastable system next year. You're going to be able to plan, know how many people you need, what you need to do to hit your goals. Metrics in any business is game changing. It is. I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, without taking a look at what you've done and where you've been, you can't determine what's working and what's not working to determine if you need to continue that same behavior in that next year. And then just as you said, determining and being able to forecast what that next year is going to look like. I mean, it's all a part of budgeting, for instance. In that budget, you've got to be able to forecast, okay, in this past year, I've spent this much in these areas. We've had some wins. We've grown this much over the last year. And I think going into this next year, looking at all that data, this is how we're going to perform. This is how much we're going to spend at a minimum. And then, you know, this is how much help I'm going to need to hire or how much more I'm going to need to pour into marketing because it was working really well. So let me pour into that marketing budget so that we get more people in, which means we're going to spend more money, but we're going to make more money. You know, it's all, and I think that's what I hate as like that. I'm not OCD, but you know, I have some like tendencies and then that ADHD of, I don't like to focus on all of those things because there's too many variables. So I'd be one of those entrepreneurs that would love to hire out a company like yours that has figured out the game and can do it a lot faster and a lot better than I can which in the long term probably would save me a lot of money, time, and heartache. Because I think that's one thing we forget about as entrepreneurs is if you go back to that high school economics course, or if you took economics for the first time in your business courses, um, you, you remember opportunity cost. And it's like if you at an executive level who's making well over the $250,000 position you're trying to hire is spending hours putting these spreadsheets together, looking through this information, 
calling other people in your team to go interview these people, I can see where there is a legitimate justified cost savings in saying that even if you're charging me, you know, 15, 20% of that person's income annually, that, hey, you know what, I'm going to save so much money by having you come in and so much time that I'm going to be able to have qualified candidates delivered to me without any work on my side besides talking to Jacob and signing a contract. And then after that, they're going to show up to my door like Amazon Prime, and I'm going to have a really good qualified candidate to go forward that's going to save me all of that time that I could have added up to real dollars. If I'm wrong, tell me I'm wrong, but I feel like I'm preaching to the choir on that. No, you're right on. But the even more, the even more value add to this is, is, is with a guy like me, let's say that you've got a company and, and you're producing a piece of technology up, up, up. You've created a thermostat similar to what Nest has done, and, and, and it's a newer company and you want to increase sales. Well, if I bring you somebody who's, who's been the, the head of sales for Nest and I bring them to your company, they're plug and play and they grow. That money that you've spent, that, that's water under the bridge. So, so really, when we get involved, our fees are all water under the bridge because I'm not bringing you someone who's probably going to be good. I'm bringing you an effing rock star who's done this and who's going to build your business out like crazy. So that, that's where the value comes. 100%. Yeah. This guy is, is guaranteed to produce. You know, you're getting that, that golden goose that's going to give you eggs. So you're going to yeah. spend a pretty penny getting it. But when you cash that egg in, it's going to make you a lot more money in the long run. 100%. You think, uh, just as a side note here, I, I think that sometimes as entrepreneurs, we get short-sighted and we get scared to spend that money. And we kind of have that thought process behind like, well, Things aren't where I want them right now. So I kind of want to save some of this money. And I come from that mindset of saved money doesn't make you money. You know, you have to spend some money sometimes and invest in things. That's the way I look at it. It's not spending. You have to invest in order to truly capitalize. And I'm not saying that that works for every situation. Obviously, circumstances vary. But I feel like a lot of entrepreneurs kind of get timid with that of like, well, you know, I don't want to spend eighty, ninety thousand dollars $90,000 trying to acquire this you know, VP of sales from Nest, because that's a lot of money. And then we, I think we lose sight of that whole, well, when he makes you, you know, five, 10, $15 million more next year, that money is going to be chunk change. Yeah, I mean, look, look, at the end of the day, cash is trash. Cash does nothing sitting in a bank account. Most of us are conditioned at a young age by our parents. I love my parents. Save your money. Don't spend, save. It's, we're conditioned for that. That's not the way it works. So to be an entrepreneur, the successful entrepreneurs, there's one thing that I found is, is in common with us. We are okay with being scared shitless. So I, I, I left a very high paying salary to go to nothing in the corporate world, the CHRO of a 10,000 person company and open this. That was a scary move. So every time we do something, it's a scary move, but you got to grow a set. And you got to roll the dice and you got to spend money. You have to spend money to make money. Sometimes it's not going to work out. That's okay. Sometimes it is. Make smart decisions. But, but the point here is, for me, cash is trash. You've got, you've got to invest it somewhere to have a return or you're never, you're never going to have it. So if I've got a company and, and let's say it is something like that, a 10,000 plus person company, and I've got a, a very good, I don't know if it'd be human resources or if it would be a recruiting department something like that where I don't I don't think I necessarily need to hire you out. You know, we're in the industry. I've got a really good department that's in charge of of acquiring talent for us and they do a, a pretty good job at it, but I know that I'm going to need some improvement there or maybe I I'm trying to open this department for the first time. I can buy your book 
do you offer any consulting or training or anything on top of that book that can help me be a really good recruiting? That's that's what this company is, the Talent Acquisition Blueprint. So we we have a coaching group. So by the way, large companies with with hundreds of thousands of employees still hire us to find confidential replacements or specific employees. But if you've got a great group of recruiters, you've got you've got a, a talent acquisition department. We have a coaching service. So we go in and every month we're, we're, we're teaching content, we're, we're deploying content and we're coaching through. So at the beginning of the week, we're talking to the recruiters. Okay, what do you have this week? What's your goals? What do you want to do? What's stopping you? What's preventing you? And we help calibrate and fix. So in, in essence, hiring somebody, uh, I relate it to a GPS. You have a GPS in your car. We are that GPS to get you where you need to get. In the world of recruiting, there's no degree, really no college for it. I've done this all my life. So, so we go and teach this to groups, teach this to companies and, and, and it's very successful. That's the biggest thing for me is like I said, this is kind of a new, a new market for me, even though it's something that's been around forever. I've always been that poor boy, you know, delivery driver at Domino's and a jailer at the sheriff's office and firefighter on the fire truck and, and that kind of thing. I'm just now kind of venturing into the corporate world, still trying to finish out my, my bachelor's degree and finish up this uh, stuff. I've only got like 24 hours left or something. There's no reason I shouldn't have it done already, but uh, you know this world's kind of new to me. So this is a, a whole new fresh market. Is there somewhere I can go? Are y'all online, YouTube, uh, TikTok, Instagram, anywhere kind of sharing this knowledge through those platforms? Yeah, we we have a huge uh, talentacquisitionblueprint.com. That website we give free trainings every month, completely completely free. They're awesome trainings. We have programs to get recruiters up to speed. All the contents on our website. Um, for anybody to go and hit up. There's a lot of free stuff there. If there is anything that if you could take every single large company in the in the world and get one thing across to them when it comes to your market, recruiting, talent acquisition, that kind of thing, what is that message that you would like to be able to tell the entire world right now? Contacts equal contracts. That means a lot of things. So we the in our niche, we have more contacts than anybody. So when somebody needs a specific talent that fits who we talk to, we already know who they are. And I'll also turn that around for somebody like you or anybody else. Any business, contacts equal contracts. Got to expand your network, man. You got to get with people who's bigger than you. You need mentors who's bigger than you. Look at your inner circle of friends. Who are you playing with? Who are you running around with? They better do more than you do. And if they don't, find new ones. Yeah, being in a marketing agency, that is definitely something that we live by is, you know, being able to utilize other people's circle of influence. It's it's super big, like just like this podcast. That's the whole point of this show. You know, it's not that I've got 60 million people that are listening to this show and there's just everyone's going to hear your message once you're on here. It's that when you take the circle of influence of everyone who's been on the show and then you take my circle of influence, everyone at our company's circle of influence beefy marketing circle and you take all of these networks, you know, just compound interest style, it just connects to everything and then multiplies, multiplies and multiplies. And that is big. That is huge. It's something I've always valued personally is, first of all, I like to meet new people. I like to talk to new people. It's kind of why I host a podcast where that's what I do every single day, uh, three days a week. It's enjoyable to me to meet new people, hear their stories because we're all so different. But at the same time, I do know that there's value there. You know, in the future, hopefully, if you have some type of marketing question, marketing need, you know, consultation need, you're going to hit us up and say, man, I remember talking to y'all 
hey, you know, I need some help with this. What do you think? And then same thing in the future, if I'm ever in that position, I'm going to call you and be like, man, I remember talking to you on the show. Now I'm looking for a VP of sales position somewhere and I need help finding that, you know, and creating those little contacts. You're a hundred percent right. Even if you don't know why you need to create that contact yet, one day in the future, you may realize, oh crap. Okay. Now I see why it was good to have that network. This is something that I as director of operations at two different ambulance companies, I was extremely a big proponent of let's go to these EMS conferences and let's have a vendor booth and let's do these exhibitions and show off our equipment, show off what we're doing. And in the private EMS world, it was like, you know, I was getting kickback. Well, why? Why am I going to spend two or $3,000 sending you to another city to do a conference to talk about our ambulance firm? What am I going to get out of this? And it was like, it's not what you directly get out of it at that time. It's not that I'm going to come back and say, hey, I found you 500 new ERs that we're going to service doing emergency transports out of because those ERs don't go to these networking conferences. But it's the point that you're with every other big industry leader and you're making connections and you're now becoming known because if nobody knew who you were personally and no one knew what your company was or who your company was, then how would you be able to call these people and make all these connections? Man, it, it, con, contracts equal contacts equal contracts. Um, it, that's the most. It's the most important thing. And 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 workshops and summits. All of these compound compounding. It all compounds over time. Yeah. It just you know once again you reach one person, they reach one person. You're now reaching two, and when everybody just starts spreading that out to their one or two people all of a sudden, you know, it, it's growing rapidly. So I love that idea. What else do we need to get out about your company? I know you're located in Florida and then you do also have an office there in your hometown in North Carolina. Yeah, but we, we serve all over the USA. So if, if anybody needs great talent, hit us up. If, if we're not the niche for you, we'll tell you that. But I know most people in all niches, so I'll be able to send you to the most uh, reputable person for you. Um, if you're a group that you're, you want to do hiring yourself, that's cool. We, we've got free content for that. What will cost you a penny. You can uh, register for our free workshops on our website. If you're a group and you want some coaching, uh, succession planning, we'll do that too. Hit us up. Perfect. Well, Jacob, thank you for being on the show today, man. It really was a, a great conversation. I appreciate your time. And I'm hoping that, uh, you know, we'll get some listeners that are going to be interested in checking your stuff out more by supporting you on those social media channels and the website. Yeah, I can't wait to help them. Thank you very much, John. Absolutely. And listeners, thank you as always for tuning in to another episode of Small Business Origins. We could not appreciate you any more than we do for tuning in every single week for that new episode with a new entrepreneur, just like Jacob. If you got those suggestions, if you want to shoot some icebreaker questions over to me, if you want to just shout out and say something to me, you can leave me a voice message or send me an email directly at www.smallbusinessorigin.com. Most importantly, on the episode page for today's episode, you're going to see all of our show notes, as well as a nice little link to Jacob's profile on our website. And of course, and as always, you're going to have links directly to his company where you can go out there and check out all the stuff we talked about on the show today. So that's it for another episode, another week. And as always, stay beefy, my friends. Thanks for listening to another episode of Small Business Origins. I love an origin story. If you like what you just heard, leave us a review, subscribe, and share with a friend. You guys, check this out. They're going to love it. You're going to love it. 